0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of The Flash.
3: I lost my parents. That pain made me who I am. I spent a lifetime trying to right the wrongs of the past, as if fighting crime would bring my parents
1: back.
0: You actually did it. I can't imagine what you've been through.
3: I love you, monkey.
0: <laughs> you lost both parents in one day. Very! Cause one, now!
1: I went back in time to save my parents. But instead, I completely broke the universe. If you went back and changed the past, this world must die. You changed the future.
3: Do you know what the symbol stands for? It
1: means
2: hope, right?
3: I will help you fight Zod.
0: You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. All right, everybody, you just listening to the trailer for The Flash, and the story is as follows. Worlds collide when The Flash uses his superpowers to travel back in time to change the events of the past. However, when his attempt to save his family inadvertently alters the future, he becomes trapped in a reality in which General Zod has returned, threatening annihilation. With no other superheroes to turn to, The Flash looks to coax a very different Batman out of retirement and rescue an imprisoned Kryptonian, albeit not the one he's looking for. The film is starring Ezra Miller, Sasha Calle. Michael Shannon, Ron Livingston, Maribel Verdu, Kiersey Clemens, Anje Trau, and Michael Keaton. It is directed by Andy Muschietti, and it is written by Christina Hudson. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And we have two guests here joining us to talk about The Flash. First up, returning to the podcast, you know him as the Film Drunk on YouTube, Jonathan Fuji, everyone. Hello, hello. And also joining us here, we have the senior film critic for Geek Vibes Nation and the TV editor for That Shelf, Larry Freed,
1: everyone. Hello, hello. Pleasure to be here.
0: Pleasure to have both of you here. Very, very excited to talk about this movie for, well, maybe not for the reasons that people think, but interested to hear what you all thought of this one because the reaction to it seems to definitely be split. So... To start things off here, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Uh, This uh. review is going to have spoilers (laughs) everywhere. We are not doing a non spoiler review. I'm going to let you all let it fly. Talk about anything you want, ask any questions that you want. Don't hold back, everybody. So, for those of you that are listening right now, if you have not seen The Flash and you don't want to be spoiled, now is the time to go away. However, If you have been part of the online critic community over the last two weeks, you probably have had the movie already spoiled for you, either on Reddit, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. So either way, feel free to listen here. Starting off first with one of our guests here, Jonathan. John, what did you think of The Flash after all of the hype, all of the production trouble, everything that went into the you know getting us to this point where we finally have a standalone flash movie did it live up to your expectations
3: yeah so that that's an important thing to know with with all the hype with all the hype of is this the greatest superhero movie of all time people saying believe the hype when tom cruise tom cruise said he loved it Stephen King tweeted it. I have to really question that. Like Tom Cruise. Did he really mean it when he said that? I don't buy it. I think he got dared to or something. And he's like, yo, watch, watch this. I'll do it. And then he did it. I can I can I curse on here? Absolutely. Okay. my reaction to Flash. What the fuck are we doing? (laughs) I'll I'll fully admit, I think I'm an easy person to please right? as, as a moviegoer. And I think I hit. A, a random rough patch. I had like an existential crisis watching Transformers Rise of the Beasts. And then, like the day after, I saw the flash, and i I really thought it was awful. I really did. The first thirty minutes, because I like Andy Muschietti. I actually love the the it movies, even it Chapter two, which I like less, but I, I still like those movies. I think he's pretty good. So I was like, all right, open mind. Everything I heard about it just leaves as soon as the screen starts. And I watched it the first 30 minutes. I was like, "Okay, I can like kind of get behind this. I kind of like the energy. The tone is all right. I can get I can like get behind this." And then as it left that beginning and started to tell this grander, multiversal spectacle of a story, I thought it just devolved into one of the worst movies of the year for me. And uh, I don't say that lightly. And I'm not saying that just because of all the other talk online. And whatnot, but I uh, we'll get into specifics, I'm sure. But I uh, I thought it was pretty awful.
0: So to be clear, you liked it when it was another Justice League movie, because <laughs> that's what the first twenty minutes of this movie essentially is.
3: You know, if if that's how you describe it, then yes, I will take the first twenty minutes of this Justice League movie than whatever I saw the last hour and a half, hour forty, whatever however long it is. If that's how we want to frame it, I, I guess I would agree. Then yes, I prefer that. So let me ask you this question then. Oh, boy. Do you like spaghetti? I, I am a fan. I'm a fan. of sp- I had some today for lunch in preparation for this pot. Love the spaghetti. So you
0: would argue that the spaghetti in this movie was undercooked or overcooked?
3: Oh, it was. Or bad sauce or... Whatever. I don't know. (laughs) Y'all seen that SpongeBob episode where they like poison the food critic. They make that nasty Krabby Patty. That's that is what the flash was. This was undercooked, overcooked on the walls. However you want to call it. That's how that's how I viewed it. And I really I genuinely did not expect to dislike it as much as I did. Truly did. For
0: those of you who have seen the movie, you'll understand the spaghetti pun. Just just that people are aware. I'm not (laughs) trying to be deliberately corny here or maybe I am. I don't know. But Larry what about you man what did you think of the flash general thoughts here
1: oh man I'm glad I'm not gonna be at the the, the end of the hate spectrum here I feel like I feel like film drugs already kind of laid down the gauntlet in that regard uh, so I I feel I feel much more at ease um yeah no I I totally see where John's coming from and I, I, I for me this kind of sits in the middle of the DC. Spectrum, if we're looking at sort of the, the post Snyderverse era of the DC universe, uh, I definitely like it more than the Snyderverse and sort of all of the adjacent projects from Snyder. Um, but I definitely don't think it hits the same bar for me as things like Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman. Uh, I feel like those projects just are a little bit more uh, polished and there are things about them that I, that I can kind of tap into more. This film, for me, is just a big old mess of a lot of different things. <laughs> it's kind of hard to just kind of wrap your head around it. I think it does, ju- it does just enough in terms of story and characters to function as a movie, in my opinion. As I was watching it, I was like, okay, there's enough here where I'm like, you know what? I can see the arc. I can see the arc. I can see, uh, you know, uh, the Flash's arc. I kind of appreciate what Michael Keaton's Batman is doing here, even though I think it's an overall pandery decision. Uh, but I also think that like many of these multiverse movies, they just get so out of hand. They become so metatextual, so self-referential, um, the sequence at the end with all of the fucking CGI cameos or whatever is like the only thing I can really remember from this because it horrified me so much. Um, but I can't deny that I had a fun time with it. Uh, I think that. Uh, this is one of the only comic book movies I've seen that feels like an actual, like comic book adventure, as opposed to a lot of these other movies that are so uh, that have that are so like preoccupied with connecting to other things and building things up. I did feel that this had kind of a goofy sort of one-off nature to it, if that makes sense, even though there is all of these tangential Justice League things about it. It did feel like this flash adventure that I appreciated. And I think a lot of that comes down to Muschietti as a director. And I do like some of the visual imagination he's brought to it. And I do think, despite all all of the things, that's all I'll say, Ezra Miller is good in this role. I like them as the flash. I think that they're funny and they add a lot of heart to this movie. And so overall, I was very entertained by it. I overall had a good time, but I don't know if I could call this like a strong functioning movie per se. OK. Josh Parm,
0: What did you think of The Flash, buddy? <laughs> well, my thoughts on The Flash are
2: that it's um, not particularly that good. <laughs> um,
0: now, if it was directed by Tim Burton, on the other hand.
2: Well, I mean, Tim Burton of 2023 is very different from Tim Burton of 1989. Let's also be clear about that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this movie is... What I found to be the, the deadliest sin about it, to be honest, is that it's just not that entertaining to me. I actually found it to be very flat and boring. And I do think that the point that was brought up earlier about how this premise does sort of have this goofy comic book energy to it. I actually did like that about it. I I like the potential of this idea. And I think in very small spurts, it does indulge in that in a more engaging way. But for the most part, I just found this storytelling to be so removed from any kind of actual authentic entertainment. It all felt like we're just sort of going through the motions almost. And it doesn't help when... The visual spectacle just looks so incredibly rubbery and fake, and I, and I know that there has been some comments about how supposedly that, that was intentional, and it's like, okay, sure, Jan. <laughs> I just, no way. I don't know how much I believe that no. Th- this movie looks atrocious. The, the visual effects are some of the worst that I've ever seen, and it completely took me out of these Sequences that I think again had the potential to be really fun and entertaining, but they just look so terrible that I'm immediately removed from connecting more with it. The finale, I I do think is just a giant mess. I didn't care about it at all. I also agree that Ezra Miller, you know, despite what you, what you may think of them because of the stories, they do actually give a good performance. I I did like their portrayal. They're they're basically doing a dual role here, and I think that they do a really good job at creating both of these sides of the character. And, and so that is something that I do think I can latch onto, but as a whole, I just found it to be such an empty exercise and was really bored by the end of it. And so I I don't know if it's like absolutely terrible, but I'm still nowhere near a fan of this film.
0: I was genuinely curious to know your reaction, Josh, because I know how much you love the Michael Keaton Batman movies. So Heading into this, I was thinking to myself, oh, man, I wonder if that's going to, like, sway Josh, like, a full point on this review or not.
2: No, well, I don't like really how they do the Michael Keaton Batman character in this
0: anyway, so. <laughs> oh, no, it's total audience pandering. Uh, but we'll get into that in a little bit here. Yeah. For my opening thoughts, I think, surprisingly, maybe I'm the most positive person here, which is um, wild to me because – Oof. Um, all right. Well, I think comparatively speaking, as someone who's not really a fan of the DC universe, I feel that this is actually one of the stronger offerings lately from that world. And it's interesting because the DCEU, is going to be undergoing a, a radical change now of James Gunn coming in, right? So heading into this, I wonder if I had this feeling of, well, there's not going to really be another one after this, right? Because we don't really know what James Gunn is planning to do with the future of the extended universe for these characters. We don't know if there's going to be recastings. We don't, we don't know what's going to happen. So I kind of went into this thinking, well, the, the stakes are just so low. Let me just try and have fun with it. And for the most part, I did. There are certain elements, though, like Josh was already pointing out regarding the CGI in this movie that made me feel like I was back in the early 2000s all over again. Oh, man. Some of the visual effects in this movie are unbelievably rough. And I don't really give a crap if Andy wants to come forward and say that he claims it was all intentional. I don't believe it. Not for a heartbeat. Total
1: BS. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, the story is what hooked me here. The emotional story of what Barry Allen is going through and how Batman is utilized as a way to relate to Barry's pain and his struggle. Uh, the loss of both of his parents, one who was murdered, the other one who's framed for this murder, is and is, as a result, um, trapped in prison. So he essentially does not have either one of his parents as a part of his life. Bruce Wayne can obviously relate to that. And I thought that that gave the inclusion of Bruce Wayne Batman into this story some significant meaning that I really appreciated. With that said, I think the movie strays too far away from Barry Allen's personal journey and instead it wants to do the whole spaghetti metaverse multiverse whatever the fuck timeline jumping around this and that and mumbo jumbo right and I really do feel like this movie just gets a loss in itself a little too much in terms of fan service in terms of pandering and it does tie itself together by the end to the point that I was able to walk away saying, okay, is it the greatest superhero movie ever made, as some people out of CinemaCon were saying, or Tom Cruise for that matter? No. Absolutely not. But did I think it was good? Yeah, I I, I did. I, I don't think it's great, but it passed the bar for me on a character level and on a story level that I needed it to in order for it to feel worthwhile. I will say that... Um, It's been a few days now since I saw it at my press screening here in New York, and can I really recall much from it specifically? Not really. It's already faded from my mind. Gone in a flash, one might say. But there is still that emotional connection and that resonance that I'm still latching on to. And I agree with what Josh said, too. Ezra Miller be damned because... We, we we said we've said this a couple times on the show before. We'll reiterate it here again. Ezra Miller's a criminal, <laughs> plain, plain and simple. Yeah. And we're not here necessarily to talk about their actions, and we're not here to you know dive into all that. We're here to talk about the movie. But regardless of what they've done in their personal life, the performance that is given here, I did also think that they did a pretty decent job. Um, I was not expecting there to be so much of a, an emotional demand from this role, but they delivered. I wasn't expecting the role to also demand so much on the comedic side of things, and I did feel that, you know, comedy subjective, is, I, I've seen people reacting to clips of uh, some of the stuff online, and they're saying it's not funny and what have you. It was hit or miss for me, but on the, I'd say about like, Seventy to sixty-five percent of the jokes landed for me at times. Um, yeah, overall, I can't hate on this movie, and I'm happy to nitpick some other stuff here. Uh, but overall, I walked out of this feeling, yeah, you know, at least we're, at least we're probably not going to get another one.
1: I'm with you. <laughs> wow. I'm right. I'm right on the same boat with you, Matt.
0: I mean, maybe we will get another one. I have no idea, but I, I can't help but feel like James Gunn is just looking at what, what is this movie supposed to make this opening weekend? Seventy million? Yeah, that, that's definitely below expectations of what they probably should be aiming for. And as a result of that, you know, you you could tell that they're probably going to want to reset the uh, board here and start all over. I think, which is such a shame that in cinematic history, for as long as we've been waiting for a Flash movie. Some of us, we have a movie finally called The Flash, and it's just kind of shitty that it is this.
1: Yeah, this movie's been, I've been waiting for a Flash movie for years, years. I love this character, the multiple different iterations of this character, and to have it attached to all this baggage is definitely a bummer. And and, and to, to speak to what you were just saying, Matt, you know, Muschietti's gone on the record saying that. He can't imagine them recasting, you know, Ezra Miller uh, uh, from this role. I don't know what Gunn's plans are right now in terms of the Flash for uh, his universe. But if Muschietti is already attached to directing the Batman movie for Gunn's universe, so I imagine Muschietti staying in the family. And if he is staying in the family, and if Gunn wants Muschietti to direct another Flash movie, I'm not sure if we're really going to see this role getting recast.
0: But then if Ezra Miller ends up in jail, then yes. th- they probably will
1: recast it. <laughs> that's another story entirely. One that I would be perfectly fine seeing, frankly. But that's for that's for another day. Yep. So uh,
0: why don't we start off with Ezra? I know that Josh and I already gave uh, some initial thoughts there. Jonathan, Larry, good performance, bad performance, <laughs> bad movie surrounding. What, what do you all think?
3: Oh, man. Yeah. Uh... All right. Well, I mean, my comments are already getting blasted anyways, both on YouTube and Letterboxd, <laughs> so I, it doesn't really matter. I guess I've taken this stance now. Um, I, I just don't I just don't see it with Ezra Miller in this performance. I, I don't see it now. I'll say I didn't even like the how the Flash, the character was written in like the Justice League and all that stuff. So maybe that's just some carry over to this one where I just don't enjoy how the character is written. But I just did not buy Ezra Miller. In this movie, I do like them more in. Oh, gosh, how do I how do I even compare this in the Barry that we started following versus the Flashpoint Barry, I guess, is what? people. No, no, no I know what you're saying. Yeah, you don't yeah. like the annoying version of oh, the character. Matt, Matt.
0: <laughs> I mean, but that's but that's deliberate, though, right? We're not supposed to like the
3: the annoying Absolutely. version of We're character. eventually
1: well, supposed to, though.
3: Yeah. We're supposed to come around to it, yeah. and we're supposed to understand the arc. I wanted to tear the skin off my face any time <laughs> that Flashpoint <laughs> Barry was on screen. But even outside of that, even the emotional moments where I I do like how that character, I guess, like its arc with everything and how it completes, but the performance, I just did not buy it at all. I felt zero emotional attachment to him and the mom, like Barry and the mom, I just, <laughs> gosh, I did not think I'd be the most negative person on here. Uh, yeah, I just, bottom line, I did not buy Ezra Miller as both Barry's in this, but specifically the Flashpoint Barry, which still gets me angry just thinking about now
0: it. I got, now I got to ask this question. Yeah. Do you watch the TV show?
3: With Grant Gustin? hmm I watched the first two seasons a long time ago. Did you prefer Vat? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, okay. Yes, well, 100%. <laughs> there you go. So I'm capable. I'm capable of love. You know, I'm very capable of love <laughs> for this Flash character, okay? I'm very capable. And I'm not, I promise, I promise, I'm not trying to bring any baggage of what we know with Ezra Miller outside of this. I, I truly just, in this movie, I just did not buy it. But I, I guess I'm in the minority on that one.
0: See, now, like from everyone else's performances. It's so funny to me because Michael Keaton, I feel like is just kind of going through the motions at times,
3: you know, like at I definitely <laughs> think that there is
0: you no, know, I, I, I do feel that there is some reverence for the character and a desire to not want to fuck it up. Like I, I can sense that coming from him, but then there is also kind of like this eye roll and a shrug to the performance of, well, the paycheck is nice damn right <laughs> you know to be let's totally go Michael fair
1: to be totally fair though the Keaton Batman to me was never a performance from I don't think it's one of Keaton's like more deeper performances if that makes sense like I don't think and
0: yet there are people who say all the time that he's their favorite Batman
1: oh he's a great Batman I don't think the performance is necessarily a difficult one for him to. Reinhabit. so like him kind of going through the motions in a certain way kind of felt like okay this is exactly what old michael keaton batman would probably be like i am surprised they did old man batman in the beginning though where he's like long hair and doing the whole spaghetti bit i thought that was an interesting place to to take the character
0: i i, I kind of hated it because I just didn't I, – I did not like that they ditched it so quickly. We didn't even get a beard-cutting scene. It just yeah, – all true. of a sudden, one scene, he has a beard. The next scene, we see him. He doesn't have a beard anymore.
2: Yeah. And to me, I, I don't like Michael Keaton in this movie, but I think that's not all his fault. To me, it's that this Batman that Keaton is playing just does not really – feel like it has any kinship to when he was doing it for the Burton movies it just feels so broad and generic like this is just grizzled over the hill Batman character that we have seen in other stuff but it doesn't really feel like a natural evolution to what we got with Keaton and it just and that I think that to me adds to my frustration with his performance and how it feels like yeah he's just doing this for the check I I don't feel any kind of like spark to this performance. Like even like the, the Burton films, what I love about him in those movies so much is that while I don't think he is maybe the classical definition of Bruce Wayne or Batman, he feels very tailor-made for the tone of those movies. And you could feel this playfulness that's there. I get none of that in this performance. And to me, it just feels so completely phoned in. And for something that is only here because it wants to indulge in your nostalgia, I felt none of that indulgence from the writing or his
0: performance. You hear that? Throw all the Danny Elfman music you wanted us, and he working.
1: Nope.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I see through the through the scheme.
1: Josh, I think you're 100% on the money. I, I definitely agree with you. I, I think that the for me, Matt, you were talking a little bit before about Keaton Batman and his like role as a character in this movie, and I appreciated that. I think the character yes. functions well as a foil for Barry. I right. just don't think it needed to be Michael Keaton's Batman or frankly, it didn't need to be Batman per se
0: or include Batman in the movie, but have him only be in the movie as much as Ben Affleck's version of Batman's in this movie where right. he come and
1: goes. Yeah, You can argue that Ben Affleck Batman is just as good of a foil potentially for Barry, but he's only in it for like to seconds. Like to me, the the I think Josh is totally right in the sense that, that seeing this original Batman, this Tim Burton Batman, I say original because he was really the first cinematic Batman, you know, to see him or and Michael Keaton, you know, who his his performance and that Batman overall was were, were, as Josh was saying, so much a vision of Tim Burton at that time. And to see this character sort of be not only played up for the nostalgia factor and the pandering but you know, to see him being CGI'd up in these battle sequences and to see his like humor kind of be like reduced to nostalgic, the nostalgic references and things like that, it's very, it's just very sad to me. And I, I think it's like it's it's very much a prime example of this era that we're in right now where it feels like these movies are more interested in using IP that already exists to hone in on that emotional element than to actually choose characters or do things for these movies that serve the films themselves directly. And and it's just as a fan of those, the of, you know, Keaton's tenure as Batman, especially it was just kind of depressing the whole thing.
0: And, and that's what annoyed me specifically here, which is I did feel like Batman in, Batman's inclusion in this movie was used as a crutch. Um, and, it did feel like DC was chasing that no way home Spider-Man energy of, totally. wow, did you see how audiences responded when all the spider man got together and the villains came back from all these movies? Let's have a multiverse film where anybody can pop up and we're going to bring people back and you never know what's going to happen and it's going to make people lose their minds. Well, they lost their minds at the CinemaCon, apparently, but... Now it's only working for some people, especially considering most of the marketing for these movies ruined all these surprises. I wish that they had gone around where they had just tried their hardest in the trailers and everything else to not reveal that Batman was in this movie, to not reveal that Supergirl was a part of this movie, to not reveal that Michael Shannon was General Zod. Like, I understand that would have been really, really hard to do, but would have at least helped with the surprise factor watching this movie. Now I will admit there's like maybe one or two surprises that genuinely got me going, Oh, Oh, okay. Um, but do I care? Do they serve the story in any way? No. And that's the thing that's so frustrating about this whole multiverse like storyline is that the real story is Barry trying to bring his parents back and coming into a conflict with this past version of himself, losing his powers, now this younger, more idiotic, brash, and annoying version of himself has the powers that he doesn't. And to me, that's the more engaging and compelling story. Everything else is just a distraction to try and make this more of an audience-friendly box office behemoth and you start to lose i think the threads of what ultimately could have made this movie work even more along the way so yeah i'm happy that keaton you know from from what i understand he enjoyed doing this and there are some people out there who definitely enjoy it i liked it you know i I liked it at times when it was him i i agree larry Anytime he was in that bat suit and it wasn't a close-up, you just knew it wasn't him. And that definitely <laughs> mm-hmm. robbed the mm-hmm. moment or all the moments, might I add. Uh, so that's very frustrating, to say the least. But um, I don't think he needed to be in the movie this much. I don't think he needed to be this integral to the plot. The plot should have been focused on Barry. And also, too, why the hell, after so much build-up, like, why does Kiersey Clemens as Iris, have literally nothing to do in this movie. Oh my
1: God, that annoyed me so much. They did
0: nothing. You could have devoted so much more time to developing her as a character and a relationship with Barry that could have been so much more meaningful and could have helped us to stand on its own as a standalone film for The Flash, right? Because that's what it is. It's The Flash. It's not Justice League 2.0, It, but they want it to be like, Justice League 2.0, Multiverse 1.5, The Flash 1. It's like, it's just trying to do way too much, man. Just focus on making a Flash movie.
1: Yeah, they were trying to be like, yo, we're a team. Like, Mia, like Flash, Batman, and like Supergirls, like, oh, yeah, we're a team. I'm like, no, you're not.
0: You do that for (laughs) your second Flash movie. You do, literally, you do that for your second one once you've established who the main characters are within the Flash world. And man, this is, I I feel like I say this on every single freaking DC comic book movie we do a review of. They are just having to live and work through the mistakes of the films that came before them. And my God, I I really, really do hope that James Gunn just comes in and he just wipes that table clean because I I need them to start over. It's too complicated at this point and it makes no sense. Don't even get me started on the timeline of the the continuity of everything. Like, just don't get me started on that.
2: (laughs) No. Well, this is also, to me, very, it's a very good example of what I don't like in these modern multiverse stories because there's like two ways you can go about it the one way is you can use it as an opportunity to like literally broaden the world that you are in but still keep it unique and showing different perspectives that are sort of connected to the universe you've established but are still somewhat askew from what we have normally seen to give us a new perspective and a new thematic arc to explore so that's the one hand On the other hand, you have just nostalgia porn. Like, it's just, do you remember this movie you saw 30 years ago? Here's a reference to it. And that's the part that I I don't like. And even in, like, the Spider-Verse movies, they flirt with that section a little bit, and that's the least interesting thing about the multiverse sections for me. And this movie is so dependent on that. And I agree with you, Matt, that this story, when I do think it is more focused on Barry and what he's trying to accomplish, I do think... From a narrative perspective, it is stronger. But the problem is that so much of this movie and so much of this movie's spectacle is dependent on this multiverse narrative that really is only here to remind you of other movies. And I just really, really found myself resisting that. And because so much of it is dependent on it, that makes the movie suffer greatly at the end.
3: So you mean you don't like Nick Cage as Superman? (laughs) Sorry, <laughs> you're saying? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> okay. You don't like CGI, Nick Cage? One oh of the my most, god. most
2: bizarre things I, I like that Truly. moment came up, and I was like, "Can you imagine trying to explain this to a normal person why they're saying Nicolas Cage is Superman right now? Like this is this is so bizarre. It's so I, I think
0: the, I think a normal person who does not understand the backstory of that Nicolas Cage was going to play Superman at one point in time, possibly, but that didn't end up happening. I think that they would just look at that moment and go, oh, Nicolas Cage playing Superman, that's cool. And they, would ha- they wouldn't they would have no idea what the context is behind it whatsoever. To them it would just be a I mean, even random the spider, moment.
2: Like the spider is another thing that's a part of that story that nobody who is not invested in comic book movie lore would have any understanding of. <laughs> nope. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it was ridiculous for sure. And the Christopher Reeves moment, I, I could see how like, on one hand that would be considered very touching, but The movie just didn't have enough goodwill with me at that point to earn that moment.
1: Creepy. It's very creepy. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like, I don't. So I don't know if the estates of these actors, like, were aware that these cameos were happening. I think they I think they need to be. I
0: think legally they. Otherwise they have the right to sue, I'm pretty right. sure.
1: That's what I would assume. But I'm also thinking about like DC owns the rights to the characters and so are and the, and the, the films. So like do they technically have a legal right to just use it? I, I don't really know. I assume all the estates have to sign off on the usage of all of these cameos. And let's we've we've spoken about Christopher Reeve. we've spoken about Nick Cage, but there's so many in this montage, and almost all of them come from this cgi uh you know superimposed thing in this montage towards the end and i genuinely like while i was watching it i genuinely was like is this like what this is going to look like now like is this what like the future of superhero movies looks like if we want to like tap into this other series of movies are we just going to low-key resurrect these actors from old footage and just place them into the movie and pretend that this is like tribute or homage. Like it it reminds me a lot of, um, rogue one, uh, you know how they, you know, resuscitated, uh, you know, Carrie Fisher, or they, they, they took a younger Carrie Fisher. And then the actor who plays, uh, 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 what that general, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, but, uh, it's it's so ghastly and frightening, and I and I I'm I'm curious even how the Nick Cage thing happened. I doubt that he came into the studio for anything. They probably restructured, they reconstructed his face using some sort of CGI, and it's just like really gross and very bizarre. And uh, that entire sequence, like no matter how entertaining I thought the film may have been, that entire sequence left me with a really, really poor taste in my mouth. And it kind it's the only thing I really remember from this movie walking out like thinking about it because i saw it at an early fan screening like over a week ago like a week and a half ago and that was all i could remember because it was just such a so it was just such a gross moment to to watch and and there's so many more
0: too yeah adam west Batman. adam west is helen slater as supergirl yep
1: Absolutely. Adam West, like he said, it's a cornucopia of gross resuscitation of old media. Mm-hmm. It's just everything you could want.
3: <laughs> I I tr- I truly thought it was AI generated. Like when, That's a good point. It could have After after I like recovered from blacking out when I saw Nick Cage. <laughs> I was just watching this whole montage appear. I was like, this legitimately looks like that tweet on Twitter. It's like, oh, man, directors are in trouble because this is AI and it's like the shittiest version of Babylon. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. (laughs)
3: That is what I saw on screen. And I was like, oh, there's like no way. There's no way this is actually what I'm watching and people are enjoying this. No way. So I got to ask this question because this has been a hot topic of debate
0: lately. The visual effects work in this movie. A crime. I called Josh (laughs) after I got out of my screening of this. Josh, do you remember what I asked you? What was the first question I asked you when I called you? Oh, remind me. I literally asked him, did your movie look like this? (laughs) (laughs) Because I was in disbelief. I was in shock that we have come so, so far in CGI doubles. Okay, like you let's imagine Nick Cage didn't come into the studio at all. And that's all a deep fake CGI, whatever, right? There are other moments in this movie, one too many, far too many, where the CGI faces look rubbery. They look like video game characters. I was saying earlier, I felt like I was back in the early 2000s. I was thinking of, you remember like when you would watch uh, The Matrix Reloaded? And Neo would have like his uh, fight scenes where you can clearly tell it's a fully CGI Keanu Reeves. And they just had not advanced technology yet to make it look photorealistic. That's what the shit looked like.
2: Oh, it's, <laughs> it's so was bad. It's so bad. It's so terrible. And like, look, if, even if I were to give the benefit of, of the doubt that it's supposed to look like this, which I am highly skeptical of, but even if I were to give them that benefit of the doubt, In order for that to work, you need to compare it against something that doesn't look like that. You know, if you're going to say that this is all from the Flash's perspective and it's only in these certain, like, hyper-stylized moments that we're supposed to see the effects looking like this, well, then you have to give me the scene where it doesn't look like this. You have to give me the comparison. But all of the effects look like this. Every single scene with heavy visual effects look rubbery and fake, and it And so if you're going to put forth this argument, you have still executed it so terribly because I can't tell the difference because it all just looks really, really, really bad.
0: What I thought they did a good job with and what I think maybe has, I don't want to say it has succeeded because obviously we're talking about how bad the visual effects are. But I think there was an attempt to mask how poor these visual effects looked by – the particle effects the lightning the overall uh mood of whatever this chamber is that barry usually finds himself in when he runs so fast faster than the speed of light that he goes back in time i did feel like the the lightning and the particle effects and all like all the effects that pertain to like the flash's powers looked good it's just these cgi faces these doubles and I kept asking myself, I'm saying, I'm looking at this like dome room that they're in and I'm seeing all these CGI uh, doubles and I'm thinking, why in God's name would you just not shoot a live action plate and then comp that in multiple times? It has to be easier than what the fuck they're doing here because it, it, and it looks terrible. I just don't. I don't understand it. I, you know, I, I'm starting to believe that it was a deliberate choice because it, it sounds so easy to do it the other way I just said, and it also sounds cheaper. I, I, I maybe it is deliberate. Maybe, fucking hell! If it is, my god, I don't know what they were thinking that that it would look good. Well, yeah, yeah, well I as think- I said,
2: if it's deliberate, they didn't do a good job to make it clear that it was a stylistic choice. So it was still flatly executed, even if that was their decision.
0: And maybe I wouldn't be so harsh on this if, if I wasn't so also distracted by the fact that whenever I see uh, Ben Affleck as Batman in this movie, when he's in the suit, I know that's not Ben Affleck on the set. Or when I see Michael Keaton in the suit, I know that's not Michael Keaton on the set. There are so many times throughout this movie where it's so CGI enhanced and it's so clear to my eyes that, This is either done with stuntmen on a green screen and then maybe just as reference and then they're painted out later anyway, or it's just fully 100% no reference point, just all CG. And it just kills me because I, you guys know how much I love practical effects and you guys know how much I love getting lost in action scenes because they have this a grounded sense of reality to them. That's why, you know, even this weekend, like Extraction Two, is it the greatest movie in the world? Absolutely not. But I remember every single action set piece in Extraction Two compared to The Flash.
3: I think to to the deliberate VFX or not, I think the one point where I could maybe get behind this deliberate is that dome looking thing that you pointed out. But to Josh's point, he's absolutely right. Like you have to. The fact that the visual effects in the dome, whatever, when he's running, looks the exact same as the visual effects everywhere else. I mean, the fight scenes are in broad daylight. So I remember seeing the trailer and they have that shot of Supergirl like running or like flying and like pushing the dude's gun into his face and like flying or whatever. I was like, oh, okay, like they'll fix that. Like they'll fix that in post. <laughs> I and mean, then it's the same <laughs> shot. It's the same shot. When I saw it, Someone commented, I was like, well, are you sure you saw like the f- like the complete version of it? I was like, what the f- complete ver- th- it comes out in like a week like this. This is the complete version there. There's like no there, there was. To be fair,
0: there were some early screenings in the movie where it wasn't finished. So I can nice understand map.
3: why some people would ask that. I saw this like a week and a half ago, like on the night. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely finished by that. And it was finished. by. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, my God, They're they're actually going to put it out this way. I kid you not, it really made me rethink, and maybe you guys will boo me on this. I'm sure the internet will, because I've said it before. This movie made me reconsider. I was like, was I too harsh on Ant-Man Quantumania? Like, was... No, 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 Was no, 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 I, no. I, I I'm going
0: to stop you right there. You were perfectly uh, fine. The, vis-
3: the, Matt, the visual effects, though.
0: No, you, you were fine. It's okay. I'm I'm bringing you back down to planet Earth. You were fine to hate on Ant-Man Quantumania. Yeah, Quantumania, bad... <laughs>
3: I think the visual effects in Quantum Mania are vastly superior than what I saw in the Flash. To be though.
1: fair, nothing in the Flash is as bad as Modok, though. That's, That's true. I'm just gonna put that. I'm just gonna put that out there.
3: Hey man, MODOK. don't be a dick, though. That's a good <laughs> message. That's a good message to put out to people.
1: Oh, I'm purely on the visual effects. Modok as a character, hilarious. <laughs> visual effects, poo-poo. Now, I do. I do want to speak to this also because I almost kind of, in a sense, admire that that mushietti wanted to do this wackadoo design for the for the time travel like as soon as we learned that this was kind of the 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 style he was going for I was like oh okay this is absolutely not at all how I would have imagined this but if you're gonna go for it okay, go for it. And I think that when he says that it was deliberately supposed to look a certain way, I think he's referring to the fact that like he did sort of create this alternate, you know, like place outside of space and time or whatever. And, you know, he was going to play around a little bit with how it was going to look. But I, I do agree that the, the warbly faces and the awkward sort of multiplication of all of them it's very bizarre and and i think that this is like an issue with visual effects right now where i feel like these movies are so devoted to using their visual effects to make everything so hyper realistic they don't they want they use visual effects to make things seem more real when in reality if you can't execute that in a certain way it just looks even more fake. Meanwhile, if you decided to use visual effects and animation in a way that's very stylistic, in a way that's a bit more abstract, then, you know, that that could – I could have bought these we, this weird characterization of time travel. I could have bought the kind of warbliness and weirdness of it because it is kind of a – there is kind of the surrealist element to traveling through time and all of the – you know, there's like a there's like a nightmarish quality to part of it, which I think is definitely intentional. I think the time travel, like, is you know, it's the sort of messing around with the timelines and stuff. It creates something like a nightmare for Barry's life. But you know, those, but the overall, the I agree with Matt. The CGI doubles are really bad. And then also, when you look at the fight scenes, it's like CGI Michael Keaton in that freaking suit, flying, flapping around, and the you know, all the. All the warbly punches and uh slow-mo and the flight effects on Supergirl, it it all feels unfinished. Like they just had to sort of rush out this movie and finish it by a certain point, and we just were left with subpar visual effects.
0: Also, too, I don't like that they didn't sell that Batman was old. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe that works for some people, that Batman is Batman. He kicks ass, and it doesn't matter if he's 65 years old. But I kind of wanted to see Batman be, you know, old. It would it would have made the character a little bit more um, interesting, I think, or this iteration of the character, at least. Yeah, I agree. But no, he's like going around, and he's doing the whole... You know, Zack Snyder, whip Pan, and everybody's moving so freaking fast with all their kicks and punches and shit. And it's like, oh, my God. <sighs> I I, I got to say, I I think I appreciated it at the time watching Man of Steel because it felt different. But at this point, I'm like kind of tired with the uh, style of action that Zack Snyder's that Zack Snyder set within the DC EU. And I hate that it's like carried over into all these other movies at this point. And I think that's why the action scenes just don't stand out to me in this movie. The fight court. There is like no fight choreography. It's just all about creating the spectacle moments. That, that's what they're all about. They're all about creating moments. They're not about the actual intricacies of the action.
2: Right. But the spectacle is also bad. <laughs>
0: it's <just> Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Like,
2: There's nothing here that I ever found to be that engaging from an action standpoint. And a lot of that is because yes, as we have said, the effects don't look that great, but I also don't really care about anybody that's in these sequences. Like they bring Michael Shannon back and you want to talk about somebody who looks so bored and just waiting for the check to clear as soon as he can walk (laughs) off this set. Like it, like Zod being back does not interest me at all. Michael Shannon's performance. Like, if, if Michael Shannon was at least having like some kind of fun in this role, then maybe I could tolerate it a bit more, but he clearly doesn't care. And so much of the finale revolves around this, this big fight that's happening, and I just don't care about anything that is going on in front of me right now.
0: That's the thing that's also a little frustrating here, too, is that this movie doesn't really have a villain, which... On one hand, I kind of respect, because I, I I always admire when movies try to go this route. Uh, you know, the conflict is a, is a personal one, instead of a, a character, or something like that. Uh, but the problem with bringing back General Zod is, it's a different timeline, the motivation is still the same, there's no real, unique twist on it that makes it feel fresh, it just feels like we're rehashing the same old, same old, all over again. Uh, but, I will say, though, a bright spot in this movie for me and something that I really, really, really enjoyed a lot was Sasha Cali as Kara Zor-El, Supergirl. I felt that by the time that this movie was over, she wasn't in the movie that much. But I was thinking to myself, you know what? (laughs) Love you, Henry Cavill. Good luck to anyone that James Gunn decides to cast playing Superman, but I think that we should run with this for a little bit.
1: I was wondering if we were going to talk about Supergirl. Of course we are. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think the performance is fun. Again, like like, like it's it's hard. It's, she it's, she had great
0: screen presence. Yeah, I, I really liked that she sold a lot with very little.
1: She she very much inhabited that character and that character's sort of uh, confidence. And that character's journey that they were going through, like you know the the and how that that character connect to Barry, uh, you know I she was giving it her all. But I think very much like Keaton, it's a character that that to me is the product of this metatextual self-referential thing about these movies that I don't think functions on its own, like who the hell is this character? Like, like, uh, yeah, we get the basic backstory of it, but I don't feel like the character is particularly uh, well-characterized. I don't think we spend enough time with her in this film. I think she comes into the film as quickly as she comes out, kind of, which is really disappointing. I felt like uh, I was very surprised that they sort of just used this character ultimately as just, like, uh, a death for the main character to sort of have to reckon with, at the end of the day, uh, this feels like a character to me that really only fans of the comic books and of and of Superman are really going to appreciate uh, as a character. I think the performance is is fun. I think anybody can see that this is a, a talented actress. But I don't think that this character really functions on a storytelling level. You can at least say with Keaton that Batman in this movie has a very specific storytelling function, even though it didn't have to be Keaton's Batman. But with Supergirl, I'm just kind of like, I don't really understand... Why this character needed to be here, it felt like fodder. It felt like a reference that the that could get this movie cred with the comic book nerds. I really wish that there was more to, the, to this character than we ended up getting.
0: I don't disagree with you, but I still felt that if it was supposed to be functioning like as a tease and there is more to come, then I, I think they did a good job because they gave me just enough that I was left wanting more. Even if I, like, I I don't disagree with you. I I really don't. But that just kind of goes back to my issues again with trying to create a whole movie around this whole multiverse storyline, right? And that's where the movie, I think, is at its messiest. But I think out of all the factors involved from Zod to Batman, I think she's the one who emerges from it the most with at least me as an audience member saying, okay, I don't want to see more of that but I want to see more of her.
2: Sure. I I just wish that that character just was given a little bit more, as was mentioned. I just think that she's introduced so late, and I agree with you, Matt, that she has great screen presence. I, I definitely do think that that's true, but just on the page, I just felt like we were introduced to a brand new character, and then given like the broadest generalization of what her purpose is within the story, and then right into you know these action sequences that don't look good and so i can't connect with them and i think that was just such a wasted opportunity for that character i can understand like yes there's potential for more down the line but in the movie that we got i felt like yes it was wasted potential from what they introduced
3: yeah i mean i you guys took the words out of my mind i mean i i believe her as supergirl and, I, and that's important like i believe she could kick all of our asses and General Zod's ass and everything like that. And that's important when you're selling, especially when you're just throwing in a new character like that into the movie. But yeah, I mean, just like, is she, was she like necessary to, like, I don't, I don't really know exactly. No, n- what none it,
0: of this is, none of this shit is necessary.
3: That's what it's <laughs> like. I, and, and to Josh's point, like maybe if that fight scene in just the blank canvas that is the desert or wherever, if that was better executed, more creative, there's some actual choreography or something like that then maybe i would have walked away a little bit more positive because i i would like to see more like if if that's the direction they go great i'm I'm happy with that but in this specific movie with her just being used as a death to kind of push along what barry's conflict is already and michael keaton's batman comicizing into everything it's like it's i don't know it's i, I just thought that whole fight was a mess and those characters are kind of a mess
0: okay uh why don't we do this now at this point in the review i think we should head over to final thoughts we've touched upon pretty much all the characters the story the visual effects so is there something that we didn't mention that you want to specifically bring up or something you want to reiterate larry
1: uh i'm trying to think uh i feel like we cover most of it. I think the score is fun. I'm always kind of attuned to scores in these movies. And I think that this is kind of a, it's a very maximalist score. There's a lot happening in it, but I think it, it does help the, it does help the action scenes have this heightened effect to them.
0: I will say to your point with that, I too am always on the lookout watching these movies for what the score sounds like. And it's been something that, especially in the MCU that has irked me to no end that other than the Avengers theme itself, I don't really get a sense of memorable themes nowadays. Um, And here, I can tell you that while watching it, I thought the score was good, but I can't tell you what the score is now. Like, I I couldn't tell you a single thing about it if you asked me to. And I also have no desire to want to listen to it again to tell you later on down the line. So... In that regard, it's not a great score for me.
1: No, I totally get it. I mean, I I agree with you that it isn't super memorable in the way that some other films are in the sense that you can really you you feel like you're going to want to listen to it afterwards and soak in the theme. Although, Like the Michael Giacchino score for The Batman last
0: year. Oh, yeah. Completely oh, memorable absolutely. and has been in my rotation ever since.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, Michael Giacchino is a is a genius, uh, and he's fu- he's functioning on a on a much higher level than a lot of other composers right now. But I also think that uh, though I like scores that I can listen to separately, I do also really care about a score that I feel like does supplement the film as I'm watching it in a way that I think is valuable. And there's just something very maximalist about this score. Like it's, there's just a lot, it's very big, it's very booming. And I think it does help to serve the sort of grandeur of this film. And I'll also say that the some of the themes for The Flash do feel very, for lack of a better word, heroic and fun and kind of like plucky in a way that I like and I think is, is fitting uh, for this character. The credits theme especially I think yeah. is, is really solid. Um, but I think, other than that, I think we touched on everything.
3: Okay, all right, Jonathan. What about you? Um, yeah, one very excited to watch Extraction two tonight and see some action. Uh, two, <laughs> um, I guess, more so of a question. I don't know if you were already uh, planned this out to talk about later, but with like the post-credit scene and like the final big boy cameo that they whipped out of George Clooney, I've like, wh- where are we going? with this cuz I was under the impression that this is like a reset and maybe I'm stupid but like that didn't feel like like a full reset type of movie for the DCU so i don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this because post credit scene is just you know Arthur Jason Momoa kind of being drunk
0: the post credit scene literally means nothing to me i just
3: i don't, don't like, know why it was even included I don't get it. <laughs> what is that though what what is that i think why i think, think it's just
1: that? there as like a hey the
0: Jason Momoa,
1: guys, isn't he fun? I I read somewhere that apparently that scene is there to confirm that Aquaman is like a constant in the multiverse, as to like make Aquaman too not susceptible to the to the multiverse shenanigans of the rest of the movies. Oh my God! Sure, but the, fine. But that's, but that's such a I don't you know that's. That is purely for fans who give a shit about that. That's what I mean. It's
0: like I don't care. So it's like to me I walked away from it thinking, well, that was a waste of a couple of minutes of my time.
1: Yeah, I think John actually brings up a really interesting point in that I think like this movie, we heard it was a Flashpoint movie and a lot of us were expecting this movie to like – lead into James Gunn's complete reboot of the universe. Like, I don't know, maybe... I mean, looking back, it probably... It it feels a little naive to consider that. But I think many of us, because we heard about all the cameos, and Wonder Woman's going to be in this, and we figured, like, oh, maybe this will explode everything. But it definitely... You know, that's actually one thing I will say about this movie. Another thing I didn't like is that it kind of feels a lot like other superhero movies where the I feel like we end the same place that we begin minus like the George Clooney stupid cameo or whatever this movie is the Flashpoint movie it felt like it should have these genuine like consequences and it feels like we should feel like we've really gone through a journey that you can't reverse or something and then the end of the movie everything gets cleaned up and then we go back to his timeline everything's fine and If this is the final film of the DCEU and that's in this sort of Snyder era, in terms of like story or whatever, it definitely feels like a whimper.
0: I will say that the Clooney reveal. Man, it's funny. I called up um, I called up Daniel Howard, who was at CinemaCon, and I asked him, hey, did you guys have that as your ending when you saw this? And He told me no. He said that the limo pulled up. Barry said, "What the fuck?" and then it cut to the credits.
1: That's what it was for me.
0: Right, to to imply, "Oh my god, who could it be now, but we don't we don't ever really know." And I think that is such a stronger ending than this. Now, it got such an audible reaction. People definitely laughed. I <laughs> I think I would have had a stronger reaction. If it was Bale or Pattinson,
1: a hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. If it was
0: Pattinson, I would have been happy that there was at least a course correction to try and bring some cohesion to the DC films. Mm. And if it was Bale, I would have just lost my mind over. Oh, my God. They convinced fucking Christian Bale to be <laughs>
2: in this. Yeah, I would not like if. It was Pattinson, personally. I like that those movies are separated because they don't have the stink of the DC well, No,
0: so so it's funny, I, it's funny you say that because on one hand, I agree with you, Josh. On the other hand, I'm just so tired of these DC films being so discombobulated from each other.
2: I mean, sure, but I also like that at least they have some movies that don't feel the pressure to connect to anything and can create stories on their own. I like that about those movies.
0: Yeah, it's like the minute that Joaquin Phoenix... Or, sh- or shows up in the Robert Pattinson movies or vice versa, I I do feel like something special is probably going to be lost there. So yeah, yeah. I think, uh, maybe you're right.
2: Yeah, that that's how I feel. And like Clooney showing up at the end, I mean, it's sort of cute for what it is. I don't think, I don't have that much of an issue with it because it really is just like a final joke of the movie. And it's like, fine, whatever. Like that's the nostalgia that I actually don't mind so much because it's not really used for a storytelling purpose. It's meant for the last joke of the movie, and I think if this whole movie felt more contained and more streamlined with Barry's story, and we didn't feel the pressure of the multiverse and all of these other aspects, I think maybe that would have worked better for some other people. But as it is, it just feels like it's yet another thing to remind you of another movie, and so it its execution is flawed a bit. But I think on its own, it, it's like a throwaway joke. I don't mind that much, and. If the movie had a better narrative, I think could have landed better at the end of it, too.
3: Andy Muschietti just revealed uh, three other cameos that were cut from The Flash. I'm seeing just uh, fifty minutes ago. Do you mind if I read the three real quick? Oh,
2: yeah.
0: I'd oh, love please. to hear this. I just saw please. this, too.
3: <laughs> yeah, so uh, three cameos that were cut were uh, Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, Marlon Brando's Jor-El, and Cesar Romero's Joker.
0: I'm actually genuinely surprised to hear that. I would have thought that they all would have been in there. Just, yeah.
1: Just, just <laughs> yeah. kill me. Just kill me. <laughs> just 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 murder me in cold blood. Why are we why do we want Cesar Romero's Joker to make a cameo in this movie? Why?
0: I mean I mean I don't want it. I don't
1: Considering want Considering
0: all it. the other cameos that were here, that's why I'm just surprised to hear that they got
1: they got cut. I want that less than I don't want Pattinson. In uh, or as why I wouldn't have wanted Pattinson. Granted, I should mention that like wa- like all of those ideas for cameos, I I do love them in the sense of pure chaos. If Pattinson did show up at the end of the movie, I would have been laughing my my ass off walking out of the theater. But on a conceptual level, no, I hate it. Please stop, <laughs> please, please.
0: Marlon Brando would have been rolling in his grave,
1: <laughs> as as exactly. though Christopher Reeve wasn't <laughs> when he got brought. up no, 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 no. I,
0: I hear you. I hear you. Respect. Okay. Uh, any other final thoughts there?
3: Nope. Uh, nope. No. I, I like movies, people. I promise. I do. I promise.
1: <laughs>
3: That's my final thought. I like fun. I do. I love Babylon. All right. Love it. <laughs> the Babylon Hive. I don't think you've mentioned that before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One might say uh, Babylon Hive leader, but you know. Okay. Josh Parm. what about you? Final thoughts.
2: Uh, At the end here, there's two things I think I would mention. Uh, The first is that in that scene when Barry is saving all the babies, I once again effects look god awful. Absolutely hated it. But I have to admit that at the end of that scene, when he's cradling the baby and the nurse is like just screaming in horror, (laughs) yes. I did think that was kind of funny. That like, I thought
0: that was funny, too.
2: After all of the destruction, like, it's supposed to be this heroic hero moment at the end, and yet the nurse is just traumatized with what she's gone through and is just screaming uncontrollably. I, Yeah, it made me laugh. And I will give the movie credit for having one of the few moments in the movie that actually brought me some entertainment and was sort of unique in some capacity. So I, I will give the movie credit for making me laugh there.
0: There was a couple of moments where the babies were like just the CGI on the faces. It should have given me an indication of how bad the rest of the CGI in the movie Mm -hmm. was going to be throughout. But I thought that they were doing it intentionally to like play for laughs. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be like a silly comic book movie. Like they're going to actually, you know, play around with the humor in this a lot. And I definitely think that there was an attempt to do so throughout, but you know, obviously the movie becomes a lot more self-serious as it, goes long and as we've mentioned earlier that final scene in the desert it just doesn't have the same quality of fun as that opening scene did where i'm like this is so fucking stupid and ridiculous and silly but i'm kind of enjoying it because this is what a comic book movie should feel like right
2: yeah it does have some moments that feel like it indulges on the sillier side of things and if it had committed more to it it would have been more successful in my opinion but it really doesn't. It gets bogged down with so many other stuff that as we've mentioned. It sort of wants to accomplish in its story, and it doesn't really do any of that successfully. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I just want to mention is, I do think that the final scene between Ezra Miller and Mirabelle Verdu is very well done. I-, I will admit, and even for a movie that very much I struggle to connect with emotionally. I do think that what they were going for in that final moment did, did work for me, you know, and not like it's one of the greatest dramatic scenes I've ever witnessed in a film. You know, I'm not saying like it's, it's great, but considering what else is in the movie and how little I felt, you know, emotionally attached through most of what the movie was trying to accomplish. I actually thought that that final scene was a nice way to complete that arc. I did think that the performances that we were seeing were, were well executed, and, I, and it's another moment that I will give the movie credit for actually doing something well. It, it's not very consistent with the rest of the film, unfortunately, but that one moment I did think was somewhat earned and somewhat well done.
0: I think the thing that I'm still kind of struggling with a little bit here in terms of that ending is, on an emotional level, I agree with you, and that's where the movie kind of brought itself full circle for me. To me. Liking the movie overall in the end. But. But. I did have a lot of questions. Mainly. Why he was choosing to show his face to her. And have that dialogue scene with her. Considering all the things we had just learned about altering the timeline. And how he shouldn't even make himself. Present. To anybody? I mean, she was about to die like in three hours. So probably
2: she it's not like she was going to see his face as an adult, you know.
0: Okay, fine. But then he also does the thing with the can of tomatoes, which. Leads to his dad not ending up in prison, and we see that there's repercussions with George Clooney at the end, whatever repercussions are there. And then it's like you're asking yourself, did this character not learn anything at all throughout the course of this movie?
2: Yeah, well, I think, once again, talking about how this movie could have been much sillier, or at least kind of steered into the comic book logic of it all, I think that him only fixing his dad, like, looking up, it it makes sense within the framework of what they are working with. Like, I don't have that much of an issue with it, and if the only thing that comes from it is, you know, the Bruce Wayne changes, and that's, like, the the joke that you end on. Like, if this was more secluded from the other dc movies and this did feel more like a one-off thing i don't think that would be so much of a problem the, the issue is that it is trying to kind of do that its trying to do its own thing but also connect back to the other movies in this series and that connection back doesn't make some of these other choices work
0: huh. all right anything
2: else no this movie is just not very good i i, I did not hate it I I did not feel like it was one of the worst experiences I've ever sat through, and there are some DC movies that have given me that, like Batman v Superman, for instance. But it's not that bad, but it's just so uninspired, which some might say is even worse. But it's just so lacking in a soul, I felt, that
0: it, it was just really unfortunate to sit through. Okay, my first note here. What is up with Gal Gadot just popping up in movies in 2023? (laughs) Seriously. And each time I'm like, I don't care. You're still not. (laughs) You're still not a great actress.
1: And the scene wasn't that funny either. Fodder, pandering. I can't can't really explain it beyond that. And I hate, hate, hate that
0: guitar theme for Wonder Woman so much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's such a shame, too, because I actually really liked the first Wonder Woman movie. Yes, yeah, I really, really do. But it's just been diminishing returns ever since then.
1: I mean, that is one of the more memorable superhero themes to come out, whether for better or for worse. As soon as you hear that guitar, you know what you're getting.
0: And, and you know, what, going back to my thing before about memorable themes. Yeah, that theme definitely is memorable. Just I wish I liked it more. <laughs> oh, there's one thing I'll mention. <laughs> I feel like I'm always saying this all the time in all of these movies, ever since he popped up for the first time, uh, we needed more Jeremy Irons. Yeah. We always need more Jeremy Irons. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like every single one of these movies, I feel like Jeremy Irons has not been in in any of them enough at all. that's always such a bummer to me. Yeah. And
2: and to be honest, if I think about all of the Jeremy Irons appearances in these movies as Alfred, this actually might be my favorite one of the bunch. Really? Really thinking about it? Yeah. Because it's just like he's so laid back and he doesn't care. He's just here to to provide some quips. And yeah, I think that's the mode of Jeremy Irons that I prefer the most in all of his appearances.
0: oh, oh. I couldn't read my own handwriting. I was trying to make out what I wrote down here. Apparently, I was trying to write the words
1: Nikolai Costa Did you guys notice him in this movie? Gesundheit. I do oh. not remember the actor in that scene at I th-
2: all. I think I have a vague memory of that, but it did not stick with me at all, really.
1: That's okay.
0: I just had this moment where I was like, that's Jamie fucking Lannister.
2: <laughs> well, it would make sense oh, for weird. you to, to have seen that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, overall... I can't say that I hated this movie. I definitely didn't hate this movie. I had fun with it. I hate that I went in with the expectation of people saying that this movie was a great movie, that it was one of the greatest superhero movies ever made. I just... I I will never, ever, ever trust that kind of sentiment ever again, heading into something like this. You know, the, the whole Ezra Miller of it all is its own thing, but I definitely think that the central performance is pretty good. Um... Oh, you know what? There was one other thing I did want to mention. I really, really like the gag of Barry going through objects like walls and things like that. And I like the scene where um, they're stuck in the, what was it? Was it a museum? I can't remember exactly what it was, with the security guards. And he attempts to go through the uh, wall and he just like bangs right into the freaking wall. I don't know. I've I, For me, I thought that was pretty amusing.
2: Yeah, they poke fun also with his running style too. Like yes. eh, slightly amusing.
1: That's- that was my favorite joke in the whole movie because I've always sort of felt like the way that they uh, animate <laughs> Ezra Miller's run in these movies is like I get it, like in terms of the physics, I guess, but like the way that they've animated it is just so it it was like that, it was like, you know, when he breaks the speed force or whatever in Justice League. Mm-hmm. Like like it looks so stupid he looks like a flopping fish in these scenes with his appendages just warbling around like crazy so for them to take a a moment to be a bit self-aware about that to me was very refreshing and again i think miller's physicality really really sells both what i'm talking about and also matt what you're talking about the phasing jokes oh
0: yeah phasing that's what they called in this movie that's right yes i I i like the phasing stuff i did I also like the scene too. Once again, I really wish that there was more of her in this movie. I like the scene where Kiersey Clemens uh, comes back to Barry's apartment and he has like all the trash uh, locked away in like the closet or something (laughs) opens it up and everything
1: just like comes crumbling out. (laughs) See that, that for me is just classic visual comedy. And I I was, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I was really glad that we got to see a lot of that. And I, and when I said that this comes closer to feeling like an actual adventure kind of flash adventure movie. I think that's part of what I'm talking about. And Josh sort of sort of hit on it, too, where the first like 20 minutes or so of this movie has this charm to it that is really fun. And by the time that the actual multiverse gets going, you sort of lose a lot of a lot of that funny, a lot of those funny bits.
0: Okay, I'm being totally serious when I ask this question. I know that we have said that the cameos were overdone and we could have done without them, but what is one cameo that would have made sense that had it happened, you probably would have lost your mind.
1: Honestly, honestly, the, the OG flash actor, Mm. the one from the series, the '90s series, he's in the show. He like, I think he plays Barry's dad in the show. Um, I would have been happy to see him, I guess. I don't know if I would have wanted him to be like old man Flash or whatever, but like that would have at least made sense. Even Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill was the trickster in the 90s series. If you brought him in for a little cameo, I could at least see where the tribute was coming from. That would have like blown my mind if Mark Hamill did make a cameo, because that guy's busy. But like, I don't know. I don't even know if the question the question just kind of makes me go like, I don't know. Do we need another one? No, I
0: know. I'm just just having fun here at this point.
2: Yeah, I would say I'm not really going to answer the prompt of, like, what I would have been happy with because I don't think any of these, like, cameos made me happy at all. (laughs) But I will say that if we were going to indulge in unfulfilled movie versions of these characters, rather than doing Nicolas Cage as Superman – I would have, I don't know how you really would have fit it in, but I'm just like thinking of something that would have maybe given me a little bit of a smile, just, it, you know, without any other context. Billy Dee Williams as Harvey Dent is always the thing that I wish we had gotten to see at some point. And oh, that's, a good,
1: that's I, a good one.
2: Like I said, I don't know how you would really fit it in here, and it probably would still feel very pandering, but at least he was in a movie, <laughs> you know? At least we saw him play that character at one point and that might have been interesting to see
3: good call out there what about you jonathan yeah i mean there's no cameo that would have made me like lose my mind or anything like that but i'm gonna be boring and i will say grant gustin as the flash i just feel like with all these cameos i mean he he played the flash for all these seasons on the cw having to put up with everything i almost think it would have been a nice gesture to to have him pop-up or I'm something like that he a idiot, mainstream to mainstream movie i know i it's completely clear. agree it's it's I, so
1: weird that the end montage is like almost entirely dedicated to superman and batman right when like okay like that linda carter cameo for wonder woman totally makes sense to me there have been other flashes like grant gustin again in the 90s there's the 90s version i low-key would have even wanted to see like the animated flash from like justice league or something like there are versions of the flash that exist and other flash characters too. And then also like, why not come up with your own version of the flash? And like, do that? Like you think about something like across the spider verse, right? Like, that movie, you know, I'm not. I know we're not spoiling that movie, but like that movie has a variety of different Spider Men in it, some of whom we're familiar with, and some of whom are made up, completely made up for the film. And when you're doing such a bonkers, you know, you know, multiverse moment, it's like do whatever you want, make shit up. I don't care. Like, why can't we get a little bit more creative with it as opposed to just recycling? Shit? I mean, give the look. The Nick Cage thing is. Hyper surreal, like it, you can't even describe how weird it is that that exists now. Um, but at least it was a little bit of like creativity in the sense of like we want to make something happen that never got to happen. Like there was a little bit of newness in it. And part of me would have wanted, you know, uh, Billy D. Williams as uh, as Harvey Dent or. Like, I don't know, maybe a Batman casting that never went through. I know a lot of actors have been up for Batman in the past and, you know, they've never gotten it. So, like, I don't know. It's just I kind of wish they if they were going to, you know, resuscitate all these dead people, at least, you know, make up some stuff and try to try to pad it with something less gross.
0: So my cameo moment that I would have been like, I don't know how much I would have lost my mind, but I would have been. Pretty pleased to see this person show up. Uh, would have been Brendan Ralph as Superman. Goodness, oh. that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah,
1: true. <laughs> I,
3: forgot, I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like he's he's the forgotten
1: Superman. Yeah, he is. I always well, liked Brendan Ralph as as Superman. I thought he was I thought he was good in in the role.
2: Yeah, the weird thing also because I heard somebody actually bring this up is that he actually is playing the Christopher Reeve version of that character. Like, that movie takes place, I think, after Superman 2, so it's that version. So, rather than bringing back dead Christopher Reeve, like, you could have just used him. I'm sure he would have said yes I to it.
1: And the visual effects would have been better, probably.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, like, how many people he must have pissed off within the industry because that guy's career.
2: Well, you have to remember who directed that Superman movie, and I think True. that probably had more to do with. His uh, career not taking off.
0: Yeah, no, you're probably right about that. Okay, uh, so going back to what I was saying earlier before we uh, (laughs) went off on more final thoughts. uh, Overall grade for The Flash for me. uh, After this review, I'm going to go with a 6 out of 10. I didn't hate it. i actually leaning positive because at the end of the day, I felt like from... A character standpoint for Barry Allen and the emotional journey that he undergoes, it worked for me. And that's the stuff that matters. All the other stuff to me is stuff that if it works for you as a fan, great, I'm happy for you. I don't really care so much. If there are some dazzling set pieces, great. But I honestly couldn't really remember that you know many of them and the visual effects were constantly a distraction throughout. But yet, despite all of that, character and story for me are the two things that will push me in the direction that I need to go in. And that's where I ended up here. It's extremely weak and it's not the biggest recommendation I'm going to have this year for a movie. But I do think compared to some of the other DC films that I've seen, which I rated even lower than this, uh, yeah, I I thought this was a bit better for sure. So, Larry, what about you? Grade out of 10 and no point fives.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting where you are, Matt. I'm at a six, basically, although I feel like over time it could probably drop. Maybe if I ever revisited this for whatever reason, I don't intend to anytime soon. Um, but yeah, like I feel like six out of 10 is the grade that I give movies where I'm just feeling very, like, indifferent about them, like. I think that this movie is like I will I I will say it's slightly above average because again I do think that there is a a good like there's just enough here in terms of the story in terms of Barry having to reckon with his decisions and his former self and how Michael Keaton's Batman and how he's had to deal with his life choices how they've sort of they become a foil for each other and i do think that ezra miller works well with themselves in this dual role and i i like the way that they are juxtaposed in the characterizations so and to me that's the most important part of this movie it's the character and the journey and as josh was saying there's that heartfelt moment at the end which while a bit saccharine for my tastes does kind of land what the movie's about so for that reason i'm sitting at a like above average grade for this but there is so much in me that is just so tired of these movies they're i'm tired of the grand scale i'm tired of the cgi i'm tired of the references and the pandering and the and the the resuscitating dead people for money uh you know i'm just like i'm i'm if i do feel like if this movie didn't charm me with Ezra Miller's performance and a couple of other things. And I'm not going to lie. I love the Danny Elfman needle drops. I'm a sucker for that score, even though it does not fit at all aesthetically into this movie. I, I did, I did get a little bit of a tingle in my spine hearing those themes again. So if it wasn't for the fact that this movie did charm me enough and entertain me enough to satisfy me, I probably would be grading it lower, but You know, it did what it needed to do for me. And I'm so dang tired of these movies that at this point, all I'm looking for is for like enough morsels of character and plot to make me think that this movie is actually about something, which I think in this case, it did just enough to win me over.
0: I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about how major studio films that audiences like really hated back in the early 2000s, let's say, before the superhero movies were a thing. Do you remember what those movies were? The poorly critically reviewed movies that you as an audience member, you were just like, oh, this is
1: trash. Are you talking about stuff like Daredevil and Catwoman and stuff? Absolutely, yes. Yeah,
0: Yeah. those. <laughs> so, I do often say to myself it does feel like we've learned from certain mistakes and have gotten better over the years at the same time it also feels like new mistakes are being discovered and those are constantly being redone over and over and over again and it's like I don't understand why someone just can't perfect the formula and figure it out especially when we keep saying the same things over and over But then again, maybe it's just mixed messaging. Maybe they hear in one ear, oh, stop doing all these cameos. And in the other ear, they just hear people saying, yeah, we love these cameos. These cameos are great. And it's like they don't don't, don't know what to do. You know, I don't know what the answer is. All I know is that there is a better version of this movie. There is a better version of this character. There is a better opportunity to make a Flash movie that is five times better than this. Easily, Jonathan. What about you? Great out of ten.
3: Yeah, this movie had me questioning what I was doing with my free time. Um, <laughs> I, I, did, I did not enjoy nearly any aspect of it. I just could not believe what I was seeing on screen. I'd give this a three out of ten.
1: Ooh, okay. I expected you to go lower. Jonathan. I
3: thought so too. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm nice. I'm nice.
1: See. You I'm are nice. capable of love. I'm nice You're with capable it. Of love.
0: <laughs> Josh Parm.
2: I think when I first walked out of this movie, I was at a 5 out of 10. Because it was like, it had some decent moments in it, but just not enough collectively to make me really invested. But talking about it and thinking about the movie more, I think I am actually more like a 4 out of 10. Because those moments, while I do think are well done, I don't think they are nearly enough to balance out all the stuff that I don't think works with it. Which, on the, on the nicest end, I can just say is just... Okay, but I all I do think most of it really just is so hollow and and so lacking in any creativity to really make this an interesting movie. And the more I think about it, the more those elements do weigh it down further. So I think now I'm at a four out of ten with
0: this film. Okay. And now the question you've all been waiting for. Oscar potential? <laughs> dear,
1: dear, <laughs> nothing. <God>. Nothing. <laughs> dear nothing. God. Zero. Zero. That's visual effects. No, <laughs> you you know they would nominate this. You know that they would just blanketly nominate this amongst all the. Others.
0: I I I was thinking about this earlier today. I was putting together my early 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 predictions for visual effects, and I did not have the Flash listed. I did have some other superhero movies in contention, no, but this is definitely not one of them, especially. Man, before the movie came out, I was thinking, oh, this is a possibility, especially if the reviews were good. Because, like I said, the CinemaCon reactions, whew, dear Lord, did they make me believe. But after having seen the film, no way. Absolutely no freaking way. I don't, I don't care if it's intentional. <laughs> There's no chance. It, no. Absolutely
2: not. That's that's not happening. And really, when you look at the history of these DC movies, they don't really hit with Oscars at all. In fact, kind of looking over the list, it's sort of shocking that their one success story is that makeup win for Suicide Squad. Oh, my
1: God. (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, the makeup and prosthetics in that movie are really well done. Oh,
2: I agree. I yeah. like. I'm not coming for that win. I actually do think that's that's good makeup. That's very the one. But-
1: the one category that it could have that I could have been happy for it to have taken anything. Was the one. So I, I I think people just got upset about that one because it was Suicide Squad. Why are we even talking about Suicide Squad?
2: Oh, yeah. I, like, I definitely yeah. agree. But it's just so funny that that is the only one. Like, I don't think any of those other movies have even gotten nominations. Like, this is – the Academy just does not respond to these movies at all. And I think that will continue with The Flash.
0: No, yeah, definitely. It's interesting because we talk about this every year, I feel like. One of these uh, superhero big blockbuster movies comes out and we always ask ourselves, okay, visual effects contender, what are we doing? And then when you really break it down and you look at the history of the category, they they have a certain standard that they want these movies to meet. They want them to be critically well-reviewed. They want them to make a lot of money. They want them to have some sort of cultural relevance. And then they'll consider them. <laughs> you're not automatically in still.
2: Yeah. If you're like the highest grossing movie of the year, then yeah, they'll consider it, but there is still a level of prestige attached to the category, even though it is visual effects. And a lot of those movies don't have like a ton of prestige or, or if they don't have the prestige, they at least have work that the visual effects branch would look at and respect, you know? And I don't think that is here with the flash personally.
1: No, no,
0: I don't think so either. So that'll do it for the Oscar talk here. Jonathan (laughs) Fuji, the Film Drunk, always a pleasure. Thank you. Love having you on the show here. You and I will talk Oscars again at some point throughout the year, I'm sure, my man. Tell everyone that's listening right now, though, where they can find you on the Internet.
3: Yeah, make it real easy, the Film Drunk on YouTube, Twitter, Letterboxd. In fact, if you go to The Flash on Letterboxd, click Reviews. I'm the first one up there, which is why my comment section is insane right now. So that's that's how you'll find me oh boy
0: i'm gonna look and see what you wrote now it's not even that oh bad. jesus dude bro
3: it's, i don't even <laughs> i was just make <laughs>
0: i'll just stating a fact bro oh you know what it is you ignited the dc versus
3: marvel discourse that's I why know, i know that's on oh. me that's on me yeah but i can't lie it is funny
0: okay josh parm what
3: about you where can they find you on the internet
2: you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at JR Parham
0: and to our other guest here, Larry, where can I find you on the internet?
1: I am at underscore. Hey, Larry underscore on Twitter and Letterboxd. It was such a pleasure to talk about the flash with you guys. And I hope to come back very soon. And
0: you can find me a next best picture. Thank you so much everyone for listening to our review of the flash here on the next best picture podcast. next time...
1: It's Spanish. And it's Verlaine, and we are Game Fix.
2: And where are you gonna get the latest video game news and reviews? Anywhere on the internet. No, no, no. Where where are you gonna get unfiltered opinions, brutal truths, and pretty much things nobody has the balls to
1: say. Uh Ah, then, my friend, you're talking about us, the Game Fix Podcast.
2: Damn right I am. If you want to join us for our takes on gaming news, honest gaming reviews, and celebrity interviews...
1: Uh Oh, we're doing this rhyming thing? Well, then, get on your shoes. We'll eliminate your
0: blues. Hey, you might end up with some really heavy clues. No, no. no. Find our podcast on iTunes or our website at GameFixShow.com.
1: Hey, maybe video games aren't
0: your thing. I was a loser once, too. We talk movies comics toys to convince
2: you that everything that we just said is true here's duke nukem
1: cheers love the calvary's here no 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 the other line man take it from me duke nukem either listen
0: to
3: the game fix podcast or go yourself i don't really care Whoa. whoa